Today's Old Testament reading is from Psalm 119, verses 30 to 37. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding, so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statues and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading is from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Good morning to each one of you, or good afternoon, actually. I don't know if you saw me sitting over there. Have you ever had a mask that got caught on your spectacles? I just happened to do that. I thought my children, if they saw that, would certainly never let me forget it. Anyway, I'm very pleased that you have been able to join us here today. Those of you who have been able to come in person and enjoy the beautiful day that God has blessed us with. Those of you who have been able to join us on Zoom, we would also say welcome to you and uh, trust that God blesses you as you listen and as we uh, hear uh, from his word. And of course, at the end of our service today, for those of you who are here, we will celebrate or partake in communion together. In the last weeks, we have been going through the book of First John. And last week, we came to that concept of loving the brothers, where John had come out very forcibly and had said, if one hates our brother, the love of God the Father is not in him or her. A very telltelling sign. It is one of these things that is like a test or a proof, something that we can use to check Ourselves, it's like a thermometer for the soul that one can check how we are doing in our innermost being, in our spirit, in our heart with God. The week before, we had talked about those who love God then keep or obey his commandments. And so, as John has written, not only does he write in kind of a circular manner where he comes again and again to the very same point, not saying it just explicitly the same way each time, but he comes and brings us back again and again. Remember, 
as we were talking previously about, he says, I have written you. And then he says, I have written you. And I have written you. And then he gives a word that gives almost a spotlight of focus. Because. And then he explains to us the main reason. Now, in his writings, John uses contrasts. In the earlier chapter, we read about light and darkness. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And remember that light only not only reveals God to us, but light also exposes darkness. Where there is light, darkness cannot be. But if darkest darkness begins to come in, it will also diminish light. Or he also then, not only light and darkness, but then he spoke about truth and lie. Either one follows and does, lives out truth, or we then follow and live out a lie. And the most dangerous of lies is, is when we have heard it so often that we no longer remember it is not true and we ourselves are convinced of that. Light, darkness, truth, lie. And today he's going to move us to a new thing that he is going to make as a contrast and that is the family of God, those who belong to God, who have the love of the Father living in them those who have experienced the reality of God forgiving our sin, taking away the guilt because on the cross, Jesus, his son of God, died to take our guilt. Remember, the guilt, our guilt, was put on him that you and I would be free to respond to God. Those in the family of God, those who he has forgiven, those whom in whom he has placed his spirit, and we understand as the Spirit of God comes into us, our spirit responds by crying out, as it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, Abba, Father! We know, because we know, because we know that God is real. And he, declare, and he compares here the family of God and what he describes as the world. And the world will be something that John now uses throughout the remaining chapters of this book. But as we begin these verses where it says, do not love the world or the things of the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We have to ask ourselves the basic question then, what is the world? And in 2022, that is a very interesting question. Many of us would say, well, we live in a world which we've never lived or no one has experienced before. And there's a truth about that. I remember when I became a Christian at about age 16, I came in one evening and I sat with my mother and I said, Mom, I would like to go and do this. And my mother, realized I can just become a Christian, turned to me and said, Dennis, Christians don't do that. Hmm. 
You see, in that time period, the world was what you did not do and where you did not go. But John will not leave us there. He will take us in his description of world to something much more profound, much more deep, much deeper, and something that impacts our soul and the, therefore the way we live our lives. There is a great warning from John. Actually, I remember in one of my earlier mission years, we traveled to a country a bit further east of here. And there, there a group of people had decided to move out of the world and become more godly. And in a mountainside, they had literally chiseled caverns or tunnels in which then they would have a long tunnel and then a bit of a bigger room chiseled out of the rock. And in that room was a place to sit and like a place for a table and then chiseled into another part of the rock, a place where one could lay and sleep. You see, they believed then they would move themselves out of the world. Is that what John is talking about? Well, let's read again. Well, the first thing we read in verse 15, do not love the world or the things of the world. But the struggle with this is, you see, when God created, remember the phrase that God said on the first day he created? It is good. The second day he created, it is good. Good. The third day he created, it is good. The fourth day, it is good. And you get to the sixth day and he created man and woman in his image and he said, it is very good. Our concept of world is very important. And John then goes on, so what does world mean? Well, in the New Testament, that is the Greek word cosmos which you hear even in our usage in English. But it's a word in the New Testament that has at least three different meanings depending on the context. And you say, well, that's funny because why do they do that in Greek? Well, in English we do the same thing, don't we? There's a beautiful word called, well, depends whether you spell it with a capital P, it is Polish, which is a very great culture and wonderful people. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in an area where we had many Polish families and they really know how to cook. Delicious foods. But if you spell it with a small p, it's polish. Which means something I do to my shoes. Or you might use it in a sentence and it depends how you use it for what it means. You would say that, oh, he or she is a person of polish. Very cultured. It's got it together. Or you might sit at that meal I just described and say, I think I'll polish that off. So we've eaten it all. Or you might, as you play with your brother, in one of those words that John just told us last week we shouldn't say, you might turn to him and say, if you don't change, I'm going to polish you off. Has a total different meaning. The word cosmos in the New Testament has at least three meanings. Let me read to you some of those meanings. In John chapter 1, let me read to you verses um, 9 through 11. Listen to what it says. The true light, which gives light to everyone, 
coming into the world. That means the physical world of creation. He was in the world, the physical world of creation, and the world was made through him, physical world of creation, and the world did not know him. That's a different meaning. And then it explains it. He came to his own, to his own people who did not receive him, but to as many as received him, gave him the power to become the sons of God. So two times it says cosmos as the creation, and then it moves on to all of humanity. And it means both. Let me read to you again in the next chapters of John. In John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world, all of humanity, all cultures, nations, tribes, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Then listen to verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world, physical world, to condemn the world, humanity, but that the world, humanity, might be saved through him. But then, just to keep us moving, that's not the only world, the world of creation, physical, the world of all humanity, but then there's a world that is the system within culture, structure, society that would move us away from God. Listen to how Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 2. And it says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins which you had once walked. Listen carefully. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among who we all once lived, with the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the flesh and, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. And it goes on to this beautiful verse which follows, but God. So we have then three different definitions of world. The creation, all of humanity, and then the system, which is causes men and women to follow evil rather than to acknowledge God and to serve the purpose for which God has created them. Now, which one of these three is John talking about? Look what he says. You shall not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The very first truth he's talking about, you see, he's talking about something that's going to take place in our mind, in our heart, in our will. He's not talking about necessarily the physical, but that desire that's going to take place there, that loving of that world, that loving of these things. And look how he then says, you see, in verse 15, one of the clear uh, truths that he says is he who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, one's heart does not have space enough to love, as he is saying, this world, and to love the Father. 
Just like light and darkness do not have space enough to both exist within us. If the light of God comes, then it will begin to work in our heart, our lives, our minds, our will, and drive out darkness. So too, there is not place to love the world and to love God the Father. Now, I need to be very careful and say, The world in itself is not bad because God created it and said it was good. But the truth John is saying is the world I am talking about, you cannot love that and love the other. Well, what is it? Look at verse 16. For all that is of the world or in the world, now depending on your translations, it'll say the lust of the flesh or the desires of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, or the desire of the eyes, and then the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. So what he's saying here is these three things which describe the world I'm writing to you about, they originate not from God, who is the Father of truth, the Father of love, but they are going to originate from somewhere else, from the Father of lies. Because look what he says. They are the pride of life or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. How in the world does that work? Well, let's go back to the very beginning. If we go to Adam and Eve, listen to their account. Made very good. Living with God in perfect relationship. God coming and walking and talking with them. Then listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 3. When evil comes and temptation comes. And he said to the woman, listen, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So the very first thing that world does and this system does is it begins to cast doubt on the word of God or the promise or the truth of God. And look what the woman responds. And she says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may not, we may eat, excuse me, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the fruit which is in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. In other words, the woman understood. God has said, and this is true. And we can choose to eat, but if we eat, we die. And then listen. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. (laughs) It's almost like somebody saying, come on, lady, grow up. You can't believe that stuff, can you? You know, it's 2022. Listen to what he says. You will not die, for God knows. Listen. That is not only then doubt on what God has said. Now comes doubt on the very person and character of who God is. He's telling you this because he doesn't want you to know. He doesn't want you to have the life you know you can have. Look at how he says it here. For God knows that when you will eat, it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, 
knowing good and evil, the ultimate temptation is then for man to take and put himself in the place of God. I know, I decide, I choose, it's my life, I live it as I decide. Then it goes on. Listen to what it says now. And so the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, the desire of the flesh. Now we have to understand that is within the context of to do this, she knows she has to disobey and walk away from God. You see, to look and see that a fruit is good. Well, the other day Lois said, we need to go to the Zurich Zoo. So we did up and down the hill and up and down the hill. And about in the middle of the day, I came, we came to this place and this aroma just started to come out of this little stand. And I said, that's something I haven't smelled since Vienna. And it was a bratwurst. Oh, my. And the desire of the flesh. But that's good. It didn't compromise my obeying God. Nor trusting him. You see, if it's a desire of the flesh that causes us to compromise or move away from God or to say I will do this even though I know it is not the will of God that is the world permeating our very soul and she saw that it was good for food oh and that it was a delight to the eyes what did John say the lust of the eyes the desire of the eyes oh my that will do this for me And then finally, not only was it that for food, not only was it delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. The pride of life. I eat that and I become like God. And she ate. And you and I have experienced the story ever since then. So John's writing is, is says to them, this is what the world is. And then what his truth is, he comes to that, he says it is the desire or the lust of the flesh. It's the desire or the lust of the eyes. It is the pride of life. And then the truth he brings out says, and this is not from the Father, but is from the world. In other words, this does not originate from God. Yes, he created the world. Yes, he created humanity. Yes, he has created society in a way which we should live. But what Paul, or excuse me, John is speaking and instructing about us about is a system that is going to come and try to pull us away or take God out of our lives. And then he goes on to the last verse, verse 17. And the world is passing away along with the desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. How do we do this? So what is it? The truth there is it says, ultimately, the struggle about following the world and submitting or allowing the influences of this system of world to make the choices in our life, to influence our heart, influence our mind, cause it to be the parameters or the values with which we make our choices, is that the world, he says, ultimately passes away. 
what it ultimately does is leads us in a path away from God. And the alternate choice is to do the will of God and abide forever. You say, well, how does that work? I think a good example would be in the Old Testament, in Exodus, the second book of Moses. As God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I have this task for you. Go and bring my people out of their slavery. And then he introduces himself as the God who is the I am that I am. And he goes on, and as he comes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, God has sent me here that my people should be free to come and worship me. And Pharaoh turns to him and says, Who is this God? I have these people. I determine their day. I make their choices for them. I have determined why they are people and why they are real. And Moses has come with the message, No, the truth is, God determines who you are. God has a purpose and God has a will for our lives. And I come to proclaim that God is God. And he is asking to set his people free. We could write a book like that for 2022. Where the force of the world is telling us this is the purpose for you. And the Bible, God's word says, this is the will of God for you. Which one reigns in our life? You know, there was another temptation recorded in the Bible, that of Jesus. Remember what he said? Same three items. Evil comes and says, you, you fasted for 40 days, but you're the son of God. And if you want to, you can say to that stone, become a loaf of bread and eat. Remember what he responded? How he responded? Man does not live by bread alone. We appreciate the creation that God gave us. But we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then evil said to him, well, why don't you go to the top of the temple? You know the Bible says, and he will give his angels a sight over you, and they will care for you. And you could jump off, and they will catch you on the way down. And that would be, oh, so impressive. The desire of the eyes. And he turns to him, and he says, you cannot tempt the Lord your God. And then finally he says, and I will give you, see this world and everything that's in it, I will give it all to you if you will bow and worship me. You see, at that moment he's asking the Lord Jesus to take all of the godliness out and to leave it no only as self. And he replies to evil, no, you will de- You will only worship the Lord your God and him will you serve. Depart from me. Quite an example for us. So how do we do? He says here, those who keep the promise in verse 3 is, and those who, whoever does the will of God abides forever. How do we do that? Well, in John uh, chapter 17, Jesus gives us, I think, his understanding of that. He says, O righteous fathers, he's praying for you and me. This is the part of John 17 where that they call the high priestly prayer of Jesus. The first part of the prayer, he prays and asks God the Father not to take his disciples out of the world, but keep them from evil. 
Then about two-thirds of the way through the prayer, he says, Father, I pray not only for those that you've given me, his disciples, but I pray for all of those who will follow me because of their words. And that means you and for me. He prayed for us. And listen, at the end of the prayer, this is what he is praying. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know you that you have sent me, have sent to me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known there that the love which, which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What is the Lord's prayer? He's saying, Father, I am going to proclaim your name. And I have told them your name. In other words, he's described the Father. He's shown to us who God is. And he says, and my prayer for them is the love which, which you have loved me. Oh, think of that, folks. Think of that. The very love of God the Father for God the Son. Jesus is praying for you and me that that very love would be in them. In you and me. And then not only that is enough, but then he says, and I will be in them. The incredible presence of God. The love of the Father and the presence of the Son through God, the Holy Spirit in us. That when something comes and wants to move us from God, we have then not only our own strength, but the strength of God to say, no, I will serve him. I do not live by bread alone, by, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, I need to stop. But finally, it is not only that these are true, do not love the world nor the things of the world. Because you can't have that in the love of the Father. That's the choice. Then he comes down and he identifies what that force will be. As he goes through the book of 1 John, now we find that the world is presented as that which tempts us. Soon it's going to be presented as an enemy. And finally it will be presented as an incredible power which we must overcome. But as we enter this very first thing, how do we do that? Well, Jesus says, the very love of the Father is in you. My presence is in you. Paul will describe that in Romans chapter 8. Remember how he says in verse 1, Now therefore there is no condemnation to anyone who is in Christ Jesus. Wow. And then he goes on in chapter, in verse 5, and he says, and those who are in Christ, they do not set their minds, just like this, when temptation comes, we do not set our mind on the flesh, but we make the conscious choice of setting our mind on the Spirit of God. And then finally in verse 14, he will write, and then God the Father has sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts and our souls, our hearts, our spirit cry back, Abba, Father. You see, how do we stand against the world? This system, the reality of God in us. Jesus has prayed for us. Oh, let me close with this when you get to chapter 8. I was over 70 years old when this truth became real to me and it just changed my life. 
If you go into Romans 8, you will find the Spirit of God praying for you. The word is intercedes. And I started to look through, and what does intercede mean? It's put together. It's a compound word meaning to intensively. And then what it literally means, that second part of it means, is this, is to hit the mark. Hit the mark. Hit the mark. And if you read in classical Greek, it'll be the direct antonym or opposite word from harmatia, which is to miss the mark, or commonly said, sin. And so what he's saying is the Holy Spirit is praying for you with words and groanings which cannot be uttered. And he's saying, hit the mark, hit the mark. And if you read to the end of the chapter, it'll say the Son of God intercedes for you fervently. Hit the mark, hit the mark. Oh my, the Trinity of God is empowering us to stand in the world. And Jesus is pray, don't take them out but keep them from evil. And John, or excuse me, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, there is no temptation taken you, but is common to man. But God is faithful, and with the temptation will make a way to escape. God in us, God leading us. May the strength of God be yours today. Let's pray. Father, we worship you today because this thing that we so commonly call eternal life, sometimes we just think it makes us a little bit better and it's a place we will go to called heaven and that's all true. But Lord John has described it with terms that talk about fellowship with God, sharing in common the eternal life of God. And when we consider it that way, Lord, we realize that what you have planned and your will for us is so much more than often what we accept or live or experience. And I pray for each one of us here today that we would realize in the depth of our soul, hearts, minds that, oh God, the great love which the Father has loved the Son dwells in us. And the very presence of the Son through the Holy Spirit dwells in us. You abide in us and we abide in you. Lord, I pray if there's any person seated here today, just as we prayed these little phrases, they say, that doesn't make sense. I can't relate to that. May you, oh God, in your loving kindness, your mercy, your grace. May you come to each one of us just now and your Holy Spirit open our hearts and minds that we might understand more of you and help us to stand that, Lord, the world would not have victory, but we would through you. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.